This is GamesAtWork.biz with your hosts, Michael Martin, Michael Rowe, and Andy Piper. This is your weekly podcast about gamification, gaming technology, and play. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone, not of any organization which we have been, are, or will be affiliated. This is episode 419, A Vision of the Future? Hello and welcome again to gamesatwork.biz, your weekly dose of technology, and in this case, Apple technology, um, <laughs> brought to you by Andy Piper and Michael Martin. We're missing Mr. Rowe here because he is keeping his nose to the grindstone, studying up on all the recent things that were up to date and shared this week on WWDC, but Andy and I are going to carry on and bring you our perspectives on all the good fun stuff that we saw and heard uh, in his absence. Andy, how are you today? Michael, it's great to have you back. Uh, it's great to exchange you uh, for the other Michael this week. Um, Mr. Rowe is, of course, sitting in the in the orchard, as it were, right now, um, you know, s- sipping on apple juice and generally uh, getting fully immersed in, in all things uh, Apple-y. <laughs> um, as you say, there's been a small amount, a small, uh, news story this week, um, that relates to that, the fruit company. So I'm guessing that given it hits pretty much all of the notes for our show, we should definitely talk about it. Um, yes, there were, absolutely. There were a few other things that, that are worth looking at this week as well, which we'll come on to hopefully. But, um, yeah, we, we actually, the three of us co-hosts actually all were online together in a, in a group chat in messages, uh, all watching and experiencing the WWDC 2023 keynote in our own ways. I was sitting on my couch at home. It was six o'clock in the evening here in the UK when the keynote came on. I was watching it in via the Apple TV app in a live stream. And I had my Mastodon client on the left of the screen and was following the, the hashtag, which which was very fun and seeing people's reactions. And then I had you and, and Michael in, in my chat window and the three of us were sort of all sharing our thoughts as we went. It was a, it was a fun experience. Actually, it was one that I feel like I haven't had for quite a while in terms of a, you know, live online experience. And uh, the other thing I will say is that I exclusively used Mastodon for my social, um, commentary on on the event as it was happening live and it was it was flowing i felt like i was following the hashtag i i follow a number of people on across a number of different mastodon instances many of whom are people i know from from past on twitter but others are people i've come to know more recently or haven't come across at all and they were just tweeted uh, tweeting there you go that's old habits dying hard tooting along uh posting along at the same time. And it was a really good experience. I felt really engaged with the whole thing. Uh, how about you? I, I kind of felt the same way. I mean, when, when I've done these keynotes before, it's always fun to have a shared experience and, hmm. and Apple's been working in that way now for a while where you could have a shared experience and watching Ted Lasso together, or you could be doing uh, a, a combined edit on the same document together. So there's, a, there's a lot of this do it together function. Right. And I thought it was a, a lot of fun for us to have that chat going on 
at the same time and for you and for Michael and for me to be sharing uh, little bits of insight, little humor, uh, what other people are saying, it kind of raised everything to another level because we were doing it together. And well, I, I really enjoyed that too. Well, we, we the, the, the keynote kicked off with the sort of standard range of Apple platforms. Um, so, you know, it wasn't until the last third of the, of the keynote that we got into the new, uh, Apple Vision Pro headset and and um, and Vision OS and, and spatial computing uh, and all of that stuff. So let's quickly hit on those two things separately. Is there anything that you saw in that first segment where we were sort of covering all the traditional stuff, what was coming up later in the year for our existing platforms um, that got you interested, excited, that kind of caught your eye? Oh, I mean, there, there was a few... Uh, humorous areas oh, that I sure. thought were 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 good fun, right? When when Craig uh, started talking about autocorrect and the enhancements that are being made there to uh, provide people the opportunity to keep a word that looks like it's misspelled according to autocorrect, um, and actually having read the book from uh, Ken, oh gosh, I'm forgetting his last name now, about from Apple Design about all the work that went into predictive writing mm. uh for the keyboard it, it just fascinating amounts of of insight as to how um how that actually happened uh the ducking comments were were, were quite funny so i enjoyed that um i i thought that there were some neat things that were starting to happen in ios 17 um uh, one of the examples of that was and i think this was actually announced later i don't know if it was announced mm. on day of that anyone anyone could now download the developer previews or betas for ios 17 you didn't have to be a developer right i don't right? think it was announced uh, i think it just was suddenly people found they were able to access them and so um uh, the way that i remember this happening at the beginning of the week i think um on tuesday was uh, a number of the news sites were discovering that their employees had access, even though they didn't have a developer um, program account. And mm -hmm. then you had a bunch of developers touting that, you know, they signed, they paid money and to get stuff early or people ha who had chosen to sign, sign up to get stuff early or pay, pay the developer fee. Um, and that they didn't need to. It's, it's interesting. I think that's been, I don't know whether that's intentional or accidental or what it is, but I think that, we see this a lot with Windows now, where mm -hmm. you know the Windows and and the Xbox have multiple streams of release that you can opt into, and you have the difference between a stable distribution for Linux and a rolling distribution for Linux, where you're getting constant updates with the, the freshest, newest stuff. So I think it's a difference between well, certainly it's an it's an it's an area of everybody being a beta tester or contributing data into that that program. I think that when it gets to a very, very large pool of people, you need a lot of intelligence in order to start to narrow down and cut down on the duplication of, of issues. I see yep. this in even large, but still tiny scale open source projects on the Apple scale of things. Um, you know, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, projects that suddenly have thousands of people contributing issues um, and that's great, but it takes a lot of triage and management. And if you're talking about people with iPhones, which is a lot of people. hundreds of millions around the world, right? Mm -hmm. um, certainly tens of millions, if not hundreds, then 
that's a that's a lot to manage. So I'm curious about that. Uh, the thing that I found the coolest, I think I sarcastically commented on Mastodon during the event. Oh, they're talking about TVOS. They don't normally talk about TVOS. Uh, and the thing that I loved about that was we, we've spoken a lot about how, and this came through very much with the, he the headset, the Vision Pro, um, Apple has been building all of the pieces to do something more interesting for some time. And right. we were finally in a position to say this year that when TVOS comes out, there will be the ability to use continuity camera in order to do FaceTime um, with your family from the couch. Now, in order to do that, other companies have bought out entire new devices in the case of Facebook and Portal. Um, at the end of the week, there was from, from the developer sessions, there was also this thing about, I think it's called DockKit. Um, so it's going to be the ability for you to, and then it's been pitched as, well, the news sites were saying, well, Apple wants to let you be able to track your your pet using an iPhone. And it's basically the ability to have a, a rotating, if your phone is on a rotating dock, um, mm -hmm. to, to track things. Well, fun, but actually, if you think about combining that with putting it on a dock in front of a TV for continuity camera use with FaceTime or gaming, then they've just reinvented um, the Kinect or something better yes. than the Kinect because it can do tracking. Oh, and by the way, they talked about having, you know, a, a, a more information when your phone is at rest or sleeping or, you know, and then having a ambient displays. Well, you can easily see that becoming the next um, Nest Pro Max or whatever Apple call, uh, my, uh, Google call their, their thing uh, now and Alexa um, devices, you know, where they um, can follow you around the room. So they've had to do a small amount of work, but they've put all the pieces in place already. They just need the extra bit of hardware. Yeah. And if that bit of hardware can move, swivel, mm -hmm. Um, you know, why would, there, why would you be there... building an API uh, for a for a device that can do that if you weren't going to release something that can do that? You're not yes. just going to cede that market to the third party vendors. I'm sure they're delighted that you know suddenly they can have their pet tracking cameras and do less coding for it. But right. um, I, I, yeah, I think that's where that's going. Well, remember we've we've seen stories about like like drones that could fly around in your own house that could do that sort of thing from too, Amazon, right? right? Was that from Amazon? Amazon? Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm remembering mm -hmm. as well. Um, not to say that there's going to be a drone that can lift something as heavy as your iPhone right. well, and fly it around the house. Well, well, like Apple, we've just spent the first chunk of the show already talking about things that are not the headset. Let's talk about the headset. Yeah, we need to get to it because otherwise people will tune out. So we were wrong or the industry was wrong about the name. Um, so yep. uh, Michael and I uh, last week were talking about reality as, as the rumored name and XROS and all kinds of other things. So they mm -hmm. come along and called it the Vision Pro. I think the Pro moniker is interesting because it immediately puts it into a high-end expensive category, which, yes, it's in. Um, and I'm sure we'll, we'll, we need to talk about that. Um I really didn't want to want it, um, but the reality distortion field was strong. It looked really impressive. Um, and certainly the, the we've got the link from The Verge here that came out the day after, I think. Uh, they they built a, a, cam a section on the campus, Apple campus where they've been inviting journalists and influencers in all week. So we've had all of the sort of usual suspect of Apple bloggers and well-known people in the community 
all getting hands on with it and all coming out and saying, wow, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And it's, you know, significantly more awesome than any of its competitive things that are similar to it in look. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? Oh my gosh. Where do you start? <laughs> right. Where do you start? Uh, first of all, I was more than pleasantly surprised to see that this is an AR treatment as opposed to a VR treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, we've said countless times over the years that an immersive experience that takes you away from reality is only going to be a limiting factor. So the the way that the designers at Apple had to take into account um, how do you interrupt somebody when they're in this experience? How do you know if they're working or not working? You know, is there going to be a light or something, you know, that that kind of signals that um, like like you would if you were talking on the phone, you know, there, there's a microphone light that might be looking green or mm-hmm. red. So you could tell. So I, there were so many really thoughtful pieces to help explain to the user and to those around the user how they were interacting and involved and engaged and immersed or they were lightly immersed and interruptible and more. So that, that to me was like super intriguing. What did you think about that? Yes. (laughs) I think that we saw this with the hot topic of AI as well. They were very careful not to use other people's language. Right. Um, so they didn't call it VR. They didn't call it uh, the metaverse. They didn't call. They didn't mention AI. That's a separate piece. But they were very specific about on-device machine learning. Whenever mm-hmm. anything came up around, you know, tailored or intelligent-looking content, uh, mm-hmm. I think you're right. I've said for um, some time, and I posted on Mastodon uh, during the event that Tim Cook has been talking about or augmented reality and I don't know if he's used the phrase extended reality, but he certainly talked about augmenting people's experience with technology. And that is very, that to me was very firm in this whole thing. The ability that you have to full in seeing incredibly as, as we're hearing from people that have tried it, incredible detail, the the world around you because the screens uh, for each eye are so high quality and so 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 dense it's the i think the retina display moment for for vr headsets as some people have said right um Mm -hmm. and the ability for those people to see your eyes or a representation of your eyes apparently at multiple angles from around a curved display incredible stuff they've they've built here and brought together as project 1198732 or whatever they jokingly called it as they did uh, some clips from the campus uh i think that is very much in Apple's interest to show that this is something that enables people to continue to take part in real life. If you look at a lot of the negative um, naysaying sort of commentary that's come out this week, a lot of it has been very much that they don't want it. Uh, they don't. They think you. Even though Apple's gone to extreme efforts, really to enable it to give you that ability to interact with people around you. Um, it's actually an isolating thing. Um, I think that is an absolutely fair point. I, we can 
we can look at this as well really what they wanted to do was release glasses and not a headset and those would have been less intrusive and it would have looked less dorky and would it have made, looked more like Google Glass? We don't know that. We don't know what it would have looked like or, or where they may be moving to in the future. The iPhones we use today are significantly different, although still incredibly similar to the ones that came out 15 years ago. Yes. My view of the whole announcement is that it's Tim Cook's legacy specifically. He's the one that's really pinned his name to this in terms of the things he said in interviews as CEO, the, the, the way that he's talked this up and talked other things or, or not talked about other things um, that he could have done. Um, it, uh, we don't know what, how this will play out. It is not going to be in anybody's hands for another year, probably. Let's put, be, be honest. It, we, I, we'd be amazed if people have it, a, a, even a bigger than tiny, tiny, minuscule number of people have it in their hands before next, this time next year. Um, right. They said the spring, so that could be any time through sort of March. I, I, yeah, maybe there'll be some deliveries in the US, and that's also a critical thing. They, they said it will launch in the US um, and not in, initially in other markets. Um, we don't know. Nobody wanted an iPhone until Apple announced the iPhone. We were using smartphones with keyboards, with screens that could connect to the internet and do cool stuff and let us talk to one another. But then along came Steve Jobs and showed everybody this beautiful sheet of glass with no keyboard that you use your finger to interact with that had a, a nice camera that could be, you know, the classic, it's a new, uh, what was it? A new, I, 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 uh, it's a new phone, it's a new iPod uh, and it's a new camera all in one you know, um, and we don't know what the long-term impact of this is going to be. So I'm very much in the wait and see camp. I'm excited. I think they did what I said on last week's show that they needed to do, which was to show something incredible and show something that got people excited. And they've got the uh, software legacy because everything runs on Apple Silicon now, and they've got thousands, millions of apps that run on Apple Silicon now. But those things are two-dimensional things that run on two-dimensional uh, screens. So they've got those screens floating in front of you. We don't oh. know until developers start to build inside a three-dimensional space properly. Um, right. They've called it spatial OS. I mean, that is a huge... Uh, sorry, they've called it spatial computing, vision OS. Um, yes. That's a huge statement. Um, we don't know what that looks like. So... I'm excited. I think Apple have repeatedly shown that they have the ability to wait and see to until a key moment where they launch something with remarkable capabilities. Price point is not at a point where it will gain um, significant widespread consumer adoption. But it's called the Pro. It's the high-end model. What else will there be? When will there be? What might those things look like? Sorry, I'm just telling you a load of things about what I thought. I know the question was much more narrow than that, but um, that's my well, sort of perspective on things right now. It's quite quite okay. I mean, with the, the, this is our first chance to talk about it since we had our little text chat going on while we we did it. So, I, I mean, there is a lot a lot to put in place. 
and like you, uh, my, my toot about this as this was getting ready to happen was a big day or hashtag biggest day ever. We'll see shortly a hashtag iPod, hashtag phone, hashtag internet communicator. Right. Right. Because I, yeah. I was anticipating yeah. that there was going to be, you know, something along those lines. Um, you can see all the seeds in many different places. You, you use TVOS as a good example. I'll use stage manager as an example, mm. right? Just how you put things off to the side yeah, and how yeah, you bring yeah. them back great in example. to focus. I hadn't so, thought about it. That's a great example. I, just it, the, the level of thought and design that have come into play here is phenomenal. Now, wh where I'm struggling still right now are the use cases. Yes. Because pro, pro is pro, right? Um, and, and yes, there are Magic Leap style things that we've seen shown in the past about how does Andy and Michael get together and we're going to look at schematics for uh, an architectural drawing and we're going to tweak it and tune it, you know, from, from London and from Chapel Hill simultaneously, right? Okay, that's a pro thing. The, the compelling experiences that we saw here, which capitalize on Apple's experience around music, around sound, mm -hmm. around television and television production, mm. right, is, is I think the killer app right now that says, don't bother getting a new television, right? When Steve Jobs said, I cracked TV, yeah, he may have cracked TV this way. Right. This could be Steve's legacy in yeah. addition to Tim's. We all assumed that says, it was... We all assume that the TV box was the way that you crack it, but actually, yeah. And no. I found bringing Disney on stage as well was 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 very significant. I think you're absolutely right about those things. I, I mean, I I do want to point out that Chris Barillo posted jokingly, you know, that it's completely affordable if you just stop using electricity. Um, <laughs> to which I immediately think, yeah, and the the battery pack lasts for like two hours. Um, right. By the way, external battery pack that you have in your pocket with attached by a cord. Um, yes. Of course, they said that it's all all day, but it lasts all day if it's plugged into the wall. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, that's changing the definition of lasts all day, right? Um, yes. Well, and there's more, and there's more. Part of the more is it starts yeah. at three thousand five hundred dollars yeah. or three thousand four ninety nine. Yeah. So the partnership with Zeiss, very intriguing. So to me, that says for those of us who have vision challenges and use lenses a, a, a lot of the time, you will probably have to get your prescription done so that now there will be a custom lens manufactured by Zeiss that'll be delivered. I, I would have loved to have seen cracking the vision problem and saying, look, we're just going to well, calibrate the distance to your eyes and say better A, better B, better well, A, better yeah, B. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they do um, some of the feedback I've already seen this week from people who have tried it. Who had vision issues were had to go had to have hand over their prescription and then somebody came and gave them the right lenses now that's fine except my prescription is varifocal and i have an astigmatism and other things that are not just a, oh you need a plus 1.3 you know right um they, they need to be specially done so um it, yeah you're right those things are complicated and of course that will um that will be plus plus on the price i do i, I I'm mindful of time, and I do want to um, encourage folks to come read a few of the links that we'll have in the show notes. And I'm just going to going to name check them as ones that, that Michael and I sort of recommend as things that you might find interesting. Yes. Um, there's one um, from The Verge, which is about um, the headset, but also about the mental health um, stuff that um, they uh, they announced the, the the mood journaling 
Um, there's another one from TechCrunch that just came out today that I saw, which I thought was really interesting about the Vision Pro launch reigniting excitement in XR in China specifically. Because mm -hmm. I think um, if we look at the way that the mobile phone industry pivoted rapidly when the iPhone came out and started to look successful and everything had to have a big screen and so on, I think we're going to see a lot of devices suddenly showing up from China, which purport to be a, a thing that's as good as or similar to or moving in the same direction as. So I'll be very interested to see where that goes. Um, we're just not going to have time to talk about the links that we we pulled together for you all this week. Um, but I think it would be worth us um, talking about a couple or maybe one or two more. Is there anything, Michael, you want to pick up on from the other stuff bucket that, uh, that we should we should quickly talk about? Um, well, we, we've done our joke here and there. I think the Reddit example of the QR codes is probably mm. worth something in the, to a moment or three because that's just pretty fresh and new. And yeah. the notion here is about using AI, stable diffusion, to create images that can be read by QR code readers this that is super the cool. eye doesn't pick up. This right? is super it's, cool. Now, now, as somebody who has a space in an art studio and th th there's all kinds of conversations and questions around the legitimacy or, or so on of using um, these AI machine learning uh, models to generate images. But a lot of us as artists or, or um, tenants in the studios do have QR codes on our doors um, for accessing our, you know, our website or whatever. Now, I'm just thinking about this and thinking, this is really neat because, of course, the way the QR codes work is that there is error checking uh, in them. And you can, we've known for some time that you can put little logos or images into the center um, mm -hmm. uh, and there's there's that so something that's been sort of there's a tool very the, that you can go and access many of them i think in fact adobe has one uh, in, in adobe express where you can just type in the url or whatever you want to link to uh and then give it an image and, and a logo and it's going to put the logo in the middle of the qr code generate you the qr code and everything's good but this right. is very cool this is actually using um some very cool images, uh, AI-generated images uh, that incorporate uh, anime characters, or there's one that looks a bit like the the Great Wave of uh, I'm gonna get the name of the place wrong, but you know the Great Wave Japanese uh, mm -hmm. um, painting. There's one that looks a, bit, a little bit like a circuit board um, as, as you stare at it. Fantastic, very cool. I think I saw the Reddit read about this um before i saw the ars technica story about it but we've got both links in our show notes and it really brings i, I think we joked about qr codes a long time ago and they seem to have not gone away they're not totally like everywhere but i i've seen a lot of them in the last week and i've used a lot of them in the last week and they they have value and i think adding some creativity to it is very cool and requires in this case a machine to help because the machine is the qr code is machine readable and machine created mm -hmm. so you have to merge blend you know human creativity or the machine's interpretation of human creativity into that image for it to work 
Yeah, I I wonder about artists taking this multiple steps further. For example, I I did see a QR code when I was traveling with my family uh, to California and Harvey Mudd. uh, And at the university there, someone had drawn a QR code on a whiteboard. Mm. So I kind of wonder how far this could be taken, Mm. theoretically. And this kind of just springs you in that direction in a big way, right? So yes, human-created machine augmented machine readable so i i, I think just um we we're at time so the last thing we should very quickly mention uh is a something i labeled cool future thing in our in our uh, list of links yes, yes. again do um please come and check out uh, gamesatwork.biz check out the show notes for episode 41 419 419 um and uh take a click through because we've got a bunch of stuff that we've either just very quickly referred to or not been able to refer to in in to this week's show but this one is from the Smith- Smithsonian magazine. Um, and, you know, I mean, the title is just, um, you know, clickbait just for, for my my brain. And I think our, all three of our brains. Uh, yes. Scientists guide lightning bolts with lasers for the first time. Just, what? <laughs> um, are, they, are there sharks with laser beams attached to their head? No, I mean, yeah, that's this, how is, they guide them. The, the, this is an interesting story. And they actually have succeeded in 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 using lasers very specialized lasers evidently it's not just like any laser not just like your you know home or garden your laser. household laser right. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, these are very special lasers so apparently this will take at least a decade to productize which is good because that means skynet will have form- formally come to consciousness by the end of that decade and be able to use its lasers to direct lightning bolts to destroy all human habitation and resistance uh so that gives so, us time to put our lightning rods on our houses before that happens. Exactly. But uh, yeah, this is this was a fascinating story um, and worth digging into as well. Michael, it's been Love a pleasure uh, to chat and catch up. As always, lots of fun here. And I'm glad everyone's uh, been dialing in, listening and sharing ideas and thoughts around uh, all the new things that are happening in the world. Uh, please continue to do that. You can find us on all the usual places and spaces. And um I uh, do want to say a thanks to Alexis, by the way, for his uh, BBC article mm-hmm. on uh, the the ducking element. Yeah, uh, it'll be earlier. it'll be in the yeah, show notes. That the we show didn't notes have uh, time to to uh, cover it in enough detail this week. Yep. All right. Well, come on back again for another edition of Games at Work in about a week's time. Thanks, right. everybody. See ya. See ya. You've been listening to GamesAtWork.biz, the podcast about gaming technology and play. We are part of the Blueberry Podcasting Network and would like to thank the band Random Encounters for their song, Big Blue. You can follow us on Twitter at gamesatwork_biz underscore biz or at our website at gamesatwork.biz.